Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, August 4th. I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Teresa Watson. We're so happy you're with us tonight. In our top story, our guest Tom Glessner from the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates will talk about how his organization and pregnancy help centers in two states are fighting back against laws aimed at silencing them. The first of two life and death votes in Ohio will be on Tuesday. Voters will decide how many votes are necessary to amend the state constitution, which already has been amended 172 times. Former President Donald Trump has been indicted again, this time on charges of trying to overturn the 2020 election. I'll have that story and more in political news in a nutshell. Is abortion still legal in Indiana? I'll try to answer that question in Abortion in the News. At the end of our show, we'll tell you how pro-lifers led by the California-based survivors of the abortion holocaust kept an all-trimester abortion mill from opening in Beverly Hills. Priest for Life's Brian Kemper was there, and he'll join us to talk about this victory. Please stay tuned. Since the fall of Roe just over a year ago, lawmakers in abortion-friendly states have been engaged in a deadly game of one-upmanship as they try to lure abortion-vulnerable women to their states. States like New York, New Mexico, Oregon, and others are spending tens of millions of taxpayer dollars to pay travel expenses for women from states where babies are protected from abortion. But at least two states, Vermont and Illinois, are targeting women within their borders who might choose life if given the help they need. Both states are going after pregnancy help centers with laws that restrict their abilities to advertise their services. In May, Vermont Governor Phil Scott signed a law that allows the Attorney General's office to bring civil action against pro-life pregnancy centers for advertisements deemed to be false or misleading. Last week, Illinois Governor Jay Pritzker signed a law that could fine pregnancy centers up to $50,000 if they offer false or misleading information to pregnant women who come to them for help. But almost before the ink was dry on the Illinois law, the Thomas More Society filed suit against it on behalf of the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates, or NIFLA, and several help centers. The suit follows another one filed in Vermont by Thomas More on behalf of NIFLA and two pregnancy resource centers there. To talk about this new attack on pregnancy centers and the way they are fighting back is Tom Glessner, founder and president of NIFLA. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Tom, before we talk about the lawsuits, tell us a little about NIFLA. NIFLA, well, we're celebrating 30 years uh, anniversary this year, founded in 1993 to be a legal uh, organization to provide uh, legal counsel, help, guidance, legal defense work for pro-life pregnancy centers. Back in 93, we had already been under 10 years of vicious attack by the abortion industry, attacking the work of what we then call crisis pregnancy centers. So we founded NIFLA to just help get things correct and right. Sometimes they were doing things not correct, not because they intended to do so, but just they didn't know, didn't have good proper advice. So we do legal audits, trainings, uh, guidance in that regard. We also um, help centers convert to medical clinic status so they can legally provide ultrasound to abortion-minded women. And of course, we know when an abortion-minded woman sees her baby on the screen, the chances of her choosing life are dramatically improved. Uh, today, we have 1,700 members 
one in at least one in all 50 states and of those 1714 are licensed medical clinics that are providing ultrasound. Well, Tom, the two laws being challenged are very similar. Do you know exactly what the laws mean about misleading information? And is this a new kind of attack? Well, that's funny. Nobody knows what misleading information is because the laws let the attorney general of each state tell us what misleading information is. So, for instance, in Illinois, in hearing on the bill, uh, a witness for the bill was asked, uh, if a pro-life center gave itself the name Women's Pregnancy Center, is that misleading? And her answer was, of course, it's misleading. Uh, misleading is in the, in the eye of the beholder. But to the other side, you're misleading unless you provide abortion referrals or abortions. Anything less than that, you're misleading. Because they think what a woman wants is abortion, and they come to you thinking they're going to get it, and you misled her. Uh, so uh, what uh, the answer to your question is, uh, whatever the attorney general says is misleading is, is apparently going to be misleading. So we have to fight that. So in, in both states, there's, there are no roadblocks to abortion. So why do you think lawmakers are going after pregnancy centers? Is it their goal to make abortion the only choice? Absolutely. Well, the word choice there, no, they don't want, they, they, they're against choice. Uh, they're for abortion. They are not pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. They want to, if you have a choice for something, you, you got a Coke and a Pepsi and a glass of water, you got a choice, okay? But if you only have a Coke there, you, you don't have any choice. You got to drink the Coke. Uh, use that analogy. They don't want life as a choice. They want abortion totally. So they're not pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. And yes, their goal is to eliminate any barrier or any, any, issue there that would prevent a mother from choosing abortion. And so they got to go after the pregnancy centers to do that. Well, Tom, NIFLA won a case in the Supreme Court in 2018 against a California law that tried to force pregnancy centers to tell women where they could have an abortion. That law was trying to force speech while these two new laws are trying to silence the centers. Is it possible that these lawsuits could make it all the way to the Supreme Court? I think one of them might. I'm very optimistic about the Illinois law. By the way, uh, we're having a hearing uh, for a preliminary inju injunction on that law uh, very soon. And um, if the court rules in our favor, that's a huge, huge victory because I will enjoy the law. Now, preliminary injunction isn't a final decision, but it freezes the status quo and then you have to have a trial and everything. But if you get a preliminary injunction on the law, the court has already determined that there's a great likelihood of your success on the merits. So people should be praying for that hearing and the preliminary injunction. So um, yeah, uh, we, we uh, the, the NIFLA versus Becerra case, Becerra law, uh, we were victorious at the Supreme Court. It established the um, principle that compels speech against a pregnancy center, that is the government mandating what you must say is unconstitutional. And uh, therefore, anything that, that is compelled speech is going to be found unconstitutional under the NIFA versus Becerra law. These laws are clearly compelled speech. They're restricting, uh, restricting the language that can be used as compelled speech. So ultimately, we're going to win them both. I'm not sure in Vermont if we're going to win them at the lower level or not. But we didn't win California at the lower level. We ended up at the Supreme Court and won it. So in the end, we're going to win, both of them. Right. Well, Tom, we really appreciate you finding time to join us. And will you come back as the cases progress? I'm always going to come back with you guys. So I'm one of my favorite groups.
<laughs> well, Tom, it's great to talk to you and uh, thank you so much for your time. Good night. God bless. Good night. The state constitution of Ohio has been amended 172 times. A special election on Tuesday will ask voters whether it should be harder to do. Former Secretary of State Ken Blackwell told the Daily Signal that in comparison to the U.S. Constitution, which has been amended just 27 times, Ohio's charter is easy to abuse because it is too easy to change. As we've been reporting, the August 8th election asked Ohio voters if the threshold for amending the Constitution should be raised from 50% plus one vote to 60%. If the measure passes, an extreme abortion amendment to be voted on in November would have to meet that higher threshold. That's why pro-lifers in the state have come together to form Protect Women Ohio and urge a yes vote on issue one on Tuesday. Pro-abortion amendments voted on in other states since the fall of Roe last year have all passed, but none have reached a 60% majority. So Ohioans have a real chance to defeat the right to reproductive freedom amendment that would wipe out every state law that protects the unborn and their mothers and would eliminate parental rights. Early voting began July 11th and turnout has been very high. Those still planning to vote by absentee ballot must have those ballots postmarked by Monday, August 7th. On August 8th, polls in the state will be open from 6.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Protect Women Ohio has been airing commercials highlighting the loss of parental rights included in the November ballot proposal. Let's have a look. You've heard me say it many times about our children, but it's true. They're all our children. There's no such thing as someone else's child. No such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children. As President Biden argues government can play the role of parents, here in Ohio, the ACLU is trying to erase basic parental rights. You as a parent have rights. I can't support something where I lose my parental rights. They proposed a constitutional amendment that would abolish parental notification and consent requirements that protect minor girls from undergoing an abortion or even sex change surgery without her parents' knowledge or involvement. Do not tell me that he is not my child. Do not tell me it takes a village to raise my child. Is it's anti-parent because it removes consent? And I can tell you as a new mother, I will never allow intruders to lay a hand on my child without consent. Is abortion legal or illegal in Indiana? Well, it's unclear. A law protecting most babies from abortion was to take effect in the state on Tuesday, and all six of the state's abortion sellers on Monday announced they would stop performing the procedure as they await word from the state Supreme Court on a petition to block the law. The law would rescind the licenses of all the state's abortion mills, including four run by Planned Parenthood, and protect babies from the earliest stages. Abortions would be permitted in cases of rape and incest before 10 weeks, to protect the life and physical health of the mother and if a fetus is diagnosed with a lethal anomaly. But the law is apparently not in effect, but neither has it been blocked, according to the press secretary for Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita. Kelly Stevenson said the Supreme Court certification necessary for the law to be enacted has been delayed due to a last minute filing from the ACLU and Planned Parenthood. Rokita has asked the high court to deny a request for a rehearing from the abortion advocates and to certify the law. We'll keep you updated on this case on our Twitter page at Pro-Life News Show. An Idaho law that would prosecute people for helping minors cross state lines for abortion has been blocked by a federal judge. A legal challenge brought to the law brought by, again, Planned Parenthood and the ACLU said the law violates their guarantee of free speech. Planned Parenthood has resumed referring women and girls for out-of-state abortions. Another Idaho law protects most babies from abortion, and that remains in effect.
But because neighboring states do allow abortion, Brandy Swindell, founder and CEO of the Boise-based Stanton Healthcare, said the judge's decision could lead to abortion trafficking in the state. Pro-aborts in Alabama, where abortion is almost entirely illegal, filed two suits against the state attorney general on Monday, seeking to prevent him from prosecuting people who help women and girls travel outside the state to end their pregnancies. The groups say Attorney General Steve Marshall has indicated that anti-conspiracy laws could be used to prosecute those who assist with abortion appointments or financing. The two lawsuits seek a legal ruling clarifying whether or not the state can use the statute for these prosecutions. Infants who survive abortion may not live much beyond their birth in Minnesota, where Democrat Governor Tim Walz signed a bill this week that eliminates the need to report on infants born alive after abortion or document the efforts taken to save them. In recent years in Minnesota, five born alive infants were reported in 2015 and 2016, three each in 2017, 2018, and 2019, and five in 2021, according to the Minnesota Department of Health. This information will no longer be available. Another law just enacted eliminates the requirement that abortionists provide life-saving care for newborn, newborns who survive abortion. Now they are required only to provide comfort care. The attorneys for an 88-year-old abortionist who ran down a pro-lifer outside a Michigan abortion mill say their client was set up. Theodore Rommel was arrested and charged with assault with a dangerous weapon after allegedly running over the leg of pro-life protester Mark Zimmerman outside Rommel's Saginaw Killing Center on June 23rd. Matthew Norwood, Rommel's attorney, said a protester getting injured was part of the plan. They knew they were going to get hurt, he said, and as soon as they were hurt, they ran to their personal injury lawyer who was opposed to abortion. Rommel was arrested several years ago for hitting another pro-lifer with his car. He was sentenced to probation in that case. After his arraignment on the latest charge on Friday, the abortionist was released on his own recognizance after paying a $20,000 bond. And finally, Alabama leaders accused President Biden of punishing their state for being pro-life after he canceled plans to move the U.S. Space Command headquarters to Huntsville and announced its relocation to Colorado Springs. According to the Catholic News Agency, U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville slammed the decision as blatant patronage politics in retaliation for his state's actions to protect unborn babies from abortion. Alabama has banned most elective abortions, and Tuberville has been a courageous voice for life in the U.S. Senate. For months, he has been criticized by the White House and the media for blocking Pentagon promotions in protest of a new pro-abortion policy that forces taxpayers to pay travel costs and paid time off for military service members and their families to abort their unborn babies. And that's Abortion in the News. Republican leaders issued statements backing former President Donald Trump on Tuesday following his latest indictment, this one involving alleged interference in the 2020 election. The Make America Great Again PAC issued a press release with a roundup of quotes saying, Republicans are standing with President Donald Trump against special counsel Jack Smith's latest election interference. Smith on Tuesday issued a four count indictment charging Trump with conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights. Trump and his allies say the latest indictment is part of an effort to stop him from becoming president again. He remains the front runner in the GOP primary race. Planned Parenthood Action Fund announced Monday that it will back five Senate Democrats in their reelection bids. The abortions right group is endorsing Democratic Senators Ta Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin, Sherrod Brown, Ohio, Kirsten Gilbrand, New York, Jackie Rosen, Nevada, and John Tester from Montana. 
Brown and Tester are among three Democrats up for re-election this year in states that former President Trump won in 2020. Politico Playback was the first to report the endorsements. The announcement comes as Democrats look to make abortion a key issue again heading into 2024. Senate Democrats are defending twice as many seats next fall as Republicans, including a handful of members in battleground states such as West Virginia, Ohio, Montana, Nevada, and Arizona. The Republican National Committee this week released eligibility criteria for presidential candidates to make the second GOP debate. Candidates will need to meet higher polling and donor thresholds in order to make the September 27th debate at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California. They will need to have a minimum of 50,000 unique donors, including 200 donors in 20 states, or more each, and they must sign a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. Republican National Committee Chairwoman Rona McDaniel defended the higher thresholds in an interview with Fox News on Tuesday. Once you get on the debate stage and you get in front of the American people, if you're not having momentum, if you're not showing growth in your campaign, then that's a problem, McDaniel said. The Democrat trying to unseat Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves is pushing hard to tie the Republican incumbent to a welfare misspending scandal that developed while Reeves was lieutenant governor. But the Reeves campaign says challenger Brandon Presley is engaging in false and nonsensical attacks. Both candidates are looking past next Tuesday's party primaries, in which Presley is unopposed and Reeves faces two nominal challengers to frame the election contest, the general election contest. Republicans have long dominated the state, but Presley, a cousin of legendary rocker Elvis Presley, hopes to pull off a surprise. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is setting himself apart from his fellow GOP opponents after he declined to pledge to enact a nationwide abortion ban if he is elected president. His comments received backlash from Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. DeSantis also received criticism from his fellow Republicans, including Senator Tim Scott and Vice President Mike Pence, two candidates who are looking to move up in the polls. While I am president, pro-life Americans will have a champion in the White House, Pence posted on Twitter. In the Dobbs decision, the question of abortion was returned to the states and the American people. I will always champion protections for the unborn in states across the country and in our nation's capital. Scott also took a hit at DeSantis Monday night, saying Republicans should not be retreating on life. We need a national 15-week limit to stop blue states from pushing abortion on demand. SBA pro-life defends the most fundamental right, life. Without life, nothing else matters. It's not a special interest. It's the only interest, Scott posted. DeSantis has defended his abortion comments, pointing to Florida's six-week ban that he signed in April and calling the attack an example of D.C. political games. Before this, candidates have mostly tread lightly on abortion, attempting to paint themselves as supporters of restrictions without isolating centrist Republicans or independent voters, who could be key assets for Republican victories. Midterm election exit polls showed a majority of voters, 62%, believe abortion should be legal, a seven-point increase from 2020. However, with the RNC debate coming up, candidates are likely to start being more vocal in an attempt to break out into their own lane. Strategists view the GOP primary as having two lanes, Trump and everyone else. 
Trump has not committed to appearing on the RNC debate stage on August 23rd, giving the other six candidates who have qualified so far a chance to appeal to voters and pitch their narratives. General election voters will be looking to candidates for their abortion stances as Republicans look to retake the Senate and beef up their dominance in the House. And that's political news in a nutshell. Pro-lifers in California have succeeded in keeping an all-trimester abortion business from opening in Beverly Hills. Tasha Baker, who created the website StopDuPontClinic.org, and the group Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust are credited with the turn of fortune for DuPont, an abortion seller that also operates an abortion business in Washington, D.C. Brian Kemper, coordinator of street activism for Priests for Life, was with survivors this past weekend as they continued a month-long campaign against DuPont. During a Saturday evening rally, an announcement was made that the owner of the property, where DuPont was set to open in the fall, decided to cancel the lease. Brian is joining us to talk about this victory for life. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you, Teresa and Leslie. What an honor to be on. So California is an abortion-friendly state. Why was it so important to survivors to keep this one abortion business from opening in Beverly Hills? Well, you know, a lot of people were told, oh, when 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 California was going to pass Proposition 3 that, oh, this wouldn't happen. Late term wouldn't be coming to the state. This wouldn't become an abortion destination and such. This was really just about keeping choice. But that's that's not what happened. They were trying to bring uh, an all term, not just abortion business, but abortion spa. That's correct. Abortion spa offering also spa treatments along with an abortion to Beverly Hills, California. And we were just absolutely appalled that this was coming in and survivors started this campaign to, to keep this abortion mill out of Beverly Hills, which absolutely they ended up being very successful in doing. Well, Brian, we saw from your pictures that there was a big crowd of pro-lifers. What was the mood like there? You know, it was an absolutely amazing day. We started on Rodeo Drive about a mile away with a protest and working with Seth Gruber and the White Rose Project, doing man on the street interviews and such. And then we moved down the road to where the abortion mill was going to open. And the worship team from California will be saved set up. And we literally just filled the streets with hundreds of pro-lifers and for, for several hours, worship God right in front of this building where the abortion mill was supposed to be originally. But this is such an important victory for pro-lifers in California. Do you know if Survivors is planning a similar action at any other abortion business? Well, you know, this was something we, we did not know. When I first flew out to California, it was not known yet that we had this victory yet. We thought we were going there. We were going to have this worship service and ask Christians to continue to come and, and oppose this abortion spa and God gave us this victory. So absolutely, we'll be planning uh, a lot more working with survivors. Uh, they're an incredible group out in California. And Priest for Life, as you know, has worked with them for many, many years. And we're going to continue to do that. And as we continue to find out where abortion mills, I know that several people have actually contacted survivors knowing that abortion mills are supposed to be coming to their areas and are asking survivors to come and do something similar there. So that's something that we're looking into Right now, just absolutely thrilled that this building will not accept this late-term abortion mill. And we're going to keep an eye out as they're going to probably try to put it somewhere else in another town around there. Mm -hmm. And wherever they go, we will be there to stop them. Well, that's great news, Brian. So thanks so much for coming on tonight and for everything you've been doing for life for more than 30 years. Good night. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, and we'll continue to keep, keep you posted as, as God wins and the abortion industry loses. All right. Good night. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priest for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priest for Life, which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your pro-life news updates during the week, please follow us on Twitter at ProLife News Show. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.